Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 66 of the Wealthier Together Podcast. Today I'm talking with Tessa Hopman, and she is talking about ways that you can use neuroscience and faith to to overcome self-sabotage, limiting beliefs, and to become unstuck. So we know that 2020 has just been quite a year, and we know that due to all the upheaval and uncertainty, a lot of people are really feeling stuck right now. Whether it's because of fear or overwhelm, whatever it is, this podcast episode will help you look at neuroscience, pair it with faith, and then use that to figure out how you can become unstuck and overcome self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. Tessa Hopman is a lovingly blunt bilingual results coach and graduate of the Benjamin Harvey Accelerated Coaching Course, which is one of the few courses accredited with ICF combining neuroscience and biblical insights. She helps women uncover their true selves, live their purpose, and feel fulfilled and inspired using a combination of tough love and empathy. Driven by a higher calling, she has traveled the world to find what was always within her and has fostered many canine friends into their forever home while searching for her own. She can often be found on a Sunday morning educating precious little ones at the children's ministry of her local church or outdoor training for the next triathlon. And you can find her at thevinedresser.com. So hi, Tessa. How are you doing today? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing well. So can you tell us a little bit more about your story? How did you get into what you're doing, coaching adding neuroscience and biblical insights is something I haven't heard of. Uh, Yes. Well, actually that's exactly why I went into it. So I was like, I was myself very burnt out. I got to a stage where I couldn't even get out of bed anymore. Just that feeling of having such a weight on your chest. Um, I was just in this emotional roller coaster, just not being fulfilled in life. And as Christians, we often have that feeling like, we, we know that we're supposed to be content and we're really trying to be happy in the season, but we know that we're created for so much more. And that emotional tension was just actually like, like tearing me apart. So I had to find out what the answer was to that big question. You know, what's my purpose? What am I meant to be doing with life? And so my partner actually showed me like this coaching course. So I enrolled in it and I enjoyed it. It was very um, NLP based, but I found like, even though that I'm getting answers to some of my questions, like I'm I'm understanding now what my brain is doing, that I missed that biblical foundation to it. I wanted to know how it fitted in, in, in what the Bible said, you know, because I also wanted to make sure that I was living the principles that I truly value and believe in and not just going like the worldly way of, of neuroscience. So so that was when I realized like, listen, this, I'm not the only Christian woman struggling to find her purpose, struggling like to find that fulfillment in life. So I wanted to create something where we still get that neurological aspect because God gave this science to us to help us understand our brain. Right. But also to find now the correlation between what it says in the Bible and now that it makes sense, like it says in the Bible, like speak things into being right. Like all those things I wanted to mix into one. So yeah, I took a huge leap of faith, um, quit my job, no savings, no plan. I just knew that God was telling me, you know, that this is your purpose. This is what you're meant to be doing. And yeah, I jumped like 
head first into it and here we are um, more than a year later still still coaching still helping women either set up their business um, start a new career do a passion project but all within that focus of, of putting God there in the center so yeah that, that's pretty much the introduction of, of what I'm doing today Wow, your story really fits in with the theme of the podcast for season four, which is faith over fear. So in your case, you definitely just bit the bullet, jumped, trusted that God was going to take care of you. And he has, and you're still discovering things as you're working with women. Yes, absolutely. So how do you connect faith in neuroscience? Because usually you don't see those two together. (laughs) No, very true. Um, one of the people that I absolutely adore um, is Dr. Caroline Leaf. So she is actually um, a neurosurgeon and she is a Christian as well. So I started becoming super interested in what she does. Like I can recommend everybody to go and look what she does because she puts neuroscience in such plain language, but also in a language that correlates with the Bible. So how I see it, so my personal view is that God created everything, right? So he also created the sciences. I mean, science has made us understand so many things. So it's not against the Bible. He created everything in in the world, including neuroscience. So what it does, it, it understands, it helps to understand the brain because often we feel that we are holding ourselves back, that we are self-sabotaging ourselves, but it's actually our brain like trying to keep us safe in a very outdated way, right? And and we have a brain, we are not our brain. So by understanding the brain, we can then make sense of what it says in the Bible. Because for example, a lot of people say, oh, it's so restrictive what, what we as Christians have to do. But it's not about that. The, the rules that God says, a very simple example, like don't speak negative thoughts or speak things into existence that, that are not there yet. It, it's not to hold us back or it's not anything. It's just God understanding the brain because he created it. And now like putting that into perspective by saying how we can create a life that we truly love by making the brain work for us and not against us. So uh, there's a really a good few examples in the Bible where, where God mentions how that works. So um, Hebrews 1, um, 11 verse 1, for example, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And that is um, a, a principle in coaching as well, where you start visualizing. Visualizing is very close to faith because it's not there yet, but you can see it in, in your mind, right? You have faith that it's going gonna, it's gonna to occur when you put the right actions into place. Another example that the Bible mentions is death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, and if you, and if you, adhere to this and if you love it you'll eat the fruit there um, that one comes from from proverbs or meditating on and philippians gives us a whole list on what we should meditate on things that are just pure true lovely um, good report you know all those things that the bible has already given us such a outline of how we can create the life that we truly desire how we can walk in our purpose it's just because we don't understand why the Bible gives us these um, guidelines that often we don't understand how to apply them. So we read it, it's like, oh yeah, none is interesting. And then we continue reading. Whereas actually God has given us the complete guidelines on how to like live a a fulfilling life. So that's how we, um, or how I try and overlap those things. So listen, this is how the brain works. But now it's not just science that says it, I back it up with faith. So long story long, that's how I combine those two together. 
And I think it's definitely very important because a lot of people don't really, I guess a lot of people compartmentalize their faith mm-hmm. and everything else that they do when it's supposed yeah. to be supposed to be one and it's supposed to be together. They're is not supposed to have its own little box that you bring out on Sunday. It's supposed to be incorporated into your life. And a lot of these things, like making sure you're not thinking negative thoughts, because if you meditate on negative thoughts, what happens? You start, Mm -hmm. it affects your behavior. It affects your choices. And all of these things will eventually affect, if not your emotional health, your mental health, and then your physical health. So thank you for tying that in because I know a lot of people are probably like I don't even know what she's going to say right now how are they linked and yeah. so <laughs> you were well, able it's to- like faith faith in the bible is is our foundation right like I see it as like the heartbeat through everything and also in neuroscience if you look for it you can always find little aspects of of our faith in there and, and like you're saying it's not compartmentalizing it's using that heartbeat like you, you're not going to leave your heart at home when you go to the gym for example right and the same with faith like wherever you go you bring that with you and it and it intertwines with everything in faith that is very true you do not want to leave your heart anywhere else take it with you so how can women choose faith over fear in their lives so a lot of times women have all these obstacles and they're just paralyzed by fear how can they start to make the steps to choose faith over fear Well, I think you've given the answer right there. It's about choice, right? And often we don't choose things. Like I don't know the exact number or percentage, but I think about between 80 and 90% of our lives, we live on autopilot. Like how often do you drive to the office and you have no idea how you got there? Like you are um, shifting gears automatically. You're stopping in front of the traffic light. Like none of that takes effort. Um, Making a coffee, brushing your teeth, all those things are completely on autopilot. So we almost forget that we have a choice. And we um we don't know what we don't know so when it comes to the brain we don't realize that often we have a choice that we can choose faith over fear every single day but it has to be be a choice so we have to kind of awaken that choice again and and we need to be very intentional about that so living a life of faith doesn't mean that there's no fear right it's it's living a life of faith despite or in the midst of fear Um, and it's a choice we make every single day it's from when we wake up in the morning to when we go to sleep at night there's there's hundreds if not thousands of little moments where we have to make a choice are we gonna step into fear and especially in the midst of COVID now right Uh, like a global pandemic recession there is so many times a day we can choose okay we're gonna see this in faith or we're gonna see this in fear like turning on the news we can see that as opportunity as threat um like I love mentioning, for example, Airbnb and Uber are both founded in, in the 2008 recession, where so many people were choosing to see fear, they saw an opportunity. And the same goes with faith. Like every morning when we wake up, we have another another choice to like get up. And like it says in the Bible, we can put on the armor of God so it can it can extinguish all the fiery darts that we get from the enemy. Um, I have it on my mirror when I wake up in the mirror and I look in the mirror, I have with uh, lipstick written on my mirror, um, like remind myself who and whose I am every single morning. Because if you forget that you're a daughter, the daughter of God, that you have the power of, of life inside of you, that you have the power to move mountains, then 
all the mountains in a day are going to come against you and you're going to forget completely who you are and that you have the power to move them, that you have the energy and, and the potential to get through everything that life throws at you. So, so it's just that reminder every morning, I put a non-negotiable time aside to, to fill my life with faith. And, and I love when people say, Oh, but I don't have time for that. I have four kids. I have two jobs. And, and I understand people's lives get really busy, but you can, when you drive to work, you can put like a podcast on, right? If it's like this one or a Joyce Meyer one, you can, you can put Christian music on, you can submerge yourself in, into that, into that atmosphere because whatever you surround yourself with you become so the more you put faith into your life through um you can put audible books on you can put a spoken bible on all those things are choices where we choose faith over fear every single moment in our lives and then lastly we have a choice what to do when fear arises. So there's going to be moments when things get scary. Like an example now is saying we were um, traveling and we had to do a ferry crossing and we had 120 kilometer winds. The rain was pouring down and I started to get really scared about this ferry crossing. So they were saying four meter swell. And I was like, oh my God, we are going to damage this car. We might not even get to the other side. And then I just started okay, no, stop. And I said, you know, God, you created the seas. You can calm them when you need to. And I prayed. So that for me is a perfect example of I had a choice. I can either step out in faith or I can choose fear and be completely anxious and worried for the entire four hour ferry crossing. But I mean, I prayed and I went to sleep and it was a beautifully calm crossing. And, and those, so those are just choices we make every, every single day. And you know, ignoring, oftentimes we also try and ignore it, but it doesn't go away. Like I always love to say, I lived in South Africa for a while and I love to see these ostriches, you know, where they put their head in the sand so they can't see the danger. Mm-hmm. And that is what we do oftentimes as well. We'll put our head in the sand and, and it, it's not there, right? But the fear inside of us doesn't go anywhere until we actually address it either with a Bible verse or prayer or, or meditating on verses. So yeah, you gave the answer already. I just made it a very long story around it. It's, it's a choice every single day. That's definitely true. And I like how you talked about when you know whose you are. And I think that is a big thing in our society mm-hmm. that people don't know who they are. And when you don't know who they are, who you are, it affects everything else. But mm-hmm. when you are in the word and you're around people who are holding you accountable and you know who you are, you have purpose. So even yeah. if there's chaos around you, you still know, like, I have, this is why I'm here. This is what I have to do. And it's easier for you to switch your perspective so that even though there, there are unexpected things come up, it doesn't rattle you as much as mm-hmm. if you don't know who you are, whose you are, or what you're doing. And I yep. think that's a big thing that a lot of women especially struggle with, especially if they are basing their identity on you know, like social media and all those things that are not stable to base any Mm -hmm. type of identity on. So I think that's definitely very important. And I like how you said that putting your head in the sand is not helpful. You have to identify that fear, address it, Mm -hmm. and then pick what you're going to do. Are you going to just cower or are you going to pray, get other people to pray for you, whatever it is. Again, like you were saying, you do have a choice. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it, right? Because not choosing is also a choice. Yep. So you can choose not to address it, but then it will take a life of its own. So you've inadvertently also made a choice. True. And then that causes all sorts of other issues when you try to mm. avoid things. That's just face it head on. Just deal yeah. with it. 
and then go on. <laughs> Completely agree. So why is it important to speak what we want into existence? Yo, do you have an hour? This is, <laughs> this is the biggest thing of how we create our lives. And, and often people get a bit upset when I say this because you're saying, oh, did I create this negativity in my life? Did I create this traumatic event? And, and I'm not saying that. Obviously, there is things that happen in our lives that are super traumatic. There's people going through deaths, obviously, that, that they would have never envisioned. But taking all that out of it, the rest of our lives, so 15% are things that we can't really control. But the other things is because what we speak, what we focus on. And we need to understand that Jesus has a ministry in heaven, which is which is super important for us, but we often overlook. It says in the Bible that Jesus is our high priest in heaven. So what that means is that he represents us directly to God. And he, but he is the high priest of our confession, which means that what we say with our mouths on earth is how much he can do in heaven, how much he can, can talk us up and how much he can intercede for us. So if we're speaking the right confessions, his powers are unlimited, right? But if we say the wrong things, so the negative things, or if we say nothing about our faith and the possibilities, then we are tying his hands as high priest. You know, he, he loves us and he wants to bless us, but he, he cannot do all of that. Because if we're not speaking that faith, or if we are saying contradictory messages, often we pray, and then we go through our day saying, oh, I'm so worried about this. Oh, I'm so stressed about this. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so this. I'm so that. Then we've just prayed this big prayer of faith, like, yes, he's going to heal us. He's going to bless us. The opportunities are going to come. And then we turn around. So we've done the prayer. We walk out of our prayer closet, room, whatever. And then the rest of the day, we speak into existence, the worry we have, the anxiety. So that is, that is like two complete opposites. And we're canceling out the prayer that we just did. So it actually is kind of like we never prayed into the beginning. Um, and how I love to make that analogy, it's like the horse with the blinders or a flashlight in a dark room, wherever you point it, that is what you're going to illuminate or focus on. So if you can imagine a completely dark room and you just have one flashlight and on the left hand side are all the positive things in life. So you can choose to focus your torch on the left hand side and just see the positive or if you turn your focus towards the right hand side, which is all the negative things in life, then you can just see the negative. And that is exactly the same. If you put a pessimist and an optimist in, in one picture, the one will see all the beautiful things like the blue skies, it will see the green trees. But if you have the pessimist, it will see the dark cloud in the corner of the sky. It will see the dead flower on the ground. It is just a different way of of looking to life. And it's the same about how we speak. And I mentioned in the beginning as well, the power of life is in our tongue, right? So death and life and the power of the tongue. So whatever we speak, God already told us that is one, the max that Jesus can do. So if we are limiting him and putting him in a box, then that is how much he can do. He can't work miracles. He can't shift gears to us, you know, can't open doors for us. None of those things can happen. But on the other hand, if we speak negative, that is exactly what we are going to attract. So we are in that sense, creating our lives that we attract 
these things to happen to us. And it sounds again, like I'm always treading lightly here because some people just get upset. Like I, I didn't attract this to me. I didn't want these bad things to happen. No, you didn't want them to happen because, but because you were focusing all your energy on it, that is what you started to attract. And then because you were putting Jesus in a box, he couldn't help you out there. He couldn't work that miracle that you were asking for because you canceled it out by being negative. So that is why it is so important that we, we hold our thoughts captive, right? Because our thoughts from that we speak. So we hold our thoughts captive. We are very careful about what we speak. And I love the saying that says, only speak when your words are more beautiful than silence. And I think we need to keep that in our mind. We need to speak less and listen more. We definitely need that last one in our society. Definitely mm -hmm. that need that one because there's a lot of negativity going around. I like how you touched on how God spoke things into existence. And mm -hmm. the same, we are his image bearers. And we yeah. are supposed to, our goal is to be more like Christ, right? He created us in mm -hmm. his image. And so the, the similar thing is in place. Now, I don't mean like, oh, you say you want a car and you get one. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is the type of things that you say about yourself, if you're not very careful, the same way that God spoke them into existence, I believe that we can speak yeah. things into existence that we may mm -hmm. not want or like. And then you were talking about you were talking about how, you know, when we pray that we shouldn't go and start focusing on worrying and things like that. And what really came to mind is to me when you said that was we're putting more when we do that, we're putting more trust in our worry than in God. Yeah. And that's that, you know, that doesn't, you know, God doesn't like that. And it doesn't really, it just makes life more difficult for us. Mm. So that's really what I, I thought. Also, yeah. And it's also just like what you're saying that's so true. Like, the whole speaking things as they already are like the manifesting often when we say that's like, Oh no, that's like a woo woo thing. Or it's like counter Christianity, but, but it's just a different word for what God told us to do. Right. He said, meditate on anything that's good and true on and speak things as they already are what we want in our lives. So just wanted to also make that note there that, a lot of times different words are used for the same thing. And a lot of people that aren't Christian will use the word manifestation and it's, and it's absolutely true. And it works exactly like that. It's just now putting it in a biblical context and see what Jesus said about that. So it's just a note that I really wanted to put out there when it's going to talks about speaking things into existence, like manifestation is a really big thing. As now, it is definitely a big thing in a new age, but I think that they mimic that from the Bible. I think they call exactly. that from the Bible. Yeah. And so that's not what I'm talking about. I don't, that's not, I don't dabble there. Yeah. But a lot of the things that are in the Bible, other people have pulled it out and made it something else. So we do have yeah. to be careful and make sure that we know the roots of what we're doing. And it's usually very yeah. clear very yeah. clear and that's yeah exactly and there's a lot of times people are saying like these things are are countercultures like no make it a challenge to go find the truth now in the bible because if you don't agree with it then then find what it does say in the bible because it has benefits it's proven like that's why i love also having the neuro aspect of it so it's proven that it works but now go find in the bible why it works and then i love like finding verses like meditate on things that are trust like just and true you know because if you meditate on the good things that is what you're going to attract but not not in the sense of, of manifestation but in the sense of of meditating on the true things because the neuroscience doesn't 
favor either manifestation or the bible they they go and prove it and now it's up to us for to christians to find our own truth in the bible and how it actually works yeah i think that's very important i'm, I'm glad that you're saying go back to the bible because it's in there people act yep. like meditation is just new no no it says meditate several exactly. i'm sure hundred times in the bible yeah so it was there first mm. um so what are some obstacles that keep women stuck in an action mm. and we are a bit unfortunate here as women because we do this more so than men do <laughs> True. Um, we are our own obstacle we love getting in our own way um and, and there are things like overthinking like we have dreams in our heart and one of my clients said it the other day she's never spoken it out loud because in her mind she already thought it to death so she was overthinking the what ifs like what if i fail what if it goes wrong um so yeah she got in her own way there by overthinking so that's one of the big ones um procrastination and overwhelm um are really big as well and all that they are is um we call them in coaching the three checkpoints and they are our brain's outdated way of keeping us safe so that we have the the primitive cortex in the back of our brain which is really from way back when when we were still hunter gatherers and living in in communities the guy would go out and and would hunt for food gather food and the women would stay at home in the community taking care of the children right that is that is how things started and our brain from that point knew how to keep us safe in that zone and that's how our brain formed around it so when we are getting stuck when we are having these obstacles like overthinking self-sabotage procrastination overwhelm all that that means is our brain doesn't feel safe and it then throws up these three checkpoints so they are either intelligence which is the top point which is the overthinking the overanalyzing the pros and cons list and then you have your imagination which is the, the checkpoint in the middle and that's all our like trapped emotions all our past experiences that are all painting a picture in our mind if things are, are possible or not and we have at the bottom the instincts which i just mentioned which is like the most primitive part that we still have inside of us and those are like the limiting beliefs that come up and we can even sometimes like you're saying get a bit of anxiety get higher blood pressure our heart starts racing all those things are our brain's way of saying okay i don't think that what you have inside your heart, that big dream, that big idea, or that big action. I don't think that's safe. So I'm going to try and keep you from it because my main reason or my main command is to keep you safe. That is the only, like the number one thing that the brain is meant to be doing. So then we get stuck in these, in these things like inaction and all these obstacles because the, the dream or the idea or the action doesn't feel safe for our brain. So that, that's in a nutshell how, how that happens and why that happens. I'm glad you touched on all of that. And what I was thinking when you're talking is, do you, have you noticed how children don't have that? Well, mm -hmm. most don't. Like when they're really, really young, they think they can do like anything and they start telling you how they're going to do it. And you're just like, yes. um, I just stay quiet. I allow them to dream <laughs> exactly. because I think it's not good to, you know, it's not good to, because I'm more of a, I guess, I'm more of a realist and so I realize that that can be negative for other people so I if I see a child or even an adult who's like hey I have this dream I support that mm. but I have to be careful because I am an overthinker yeah. and I'm like well what is so 
I analysis paralysis is such a big thing the overthinking and we must also remember that like kids come from no limitations and the only limitations that we put on is because of our previous experience and the way we were shaped and formed mainly between the age of four and seven um and we, if you get, if you look at an example, if you have a millionaire and a person living by the side of the train tracks, always struggling to get by and is on benefits, right? If you tell the person that is living by the train tracks, struggling to get by from month to month, if you tell that person, I want to make a million dollars by the end of the year, they're going to say it's impossible, right? Because they have grown up with these preconceived ideas that it isn't possible to make a million dollars in a year. Yet, if you go speak to the millionaire and say, okay, I want to make a million dollars this year, they say, yeah, of course, I'll make that in a month. So it is all about the, what we think is possible. It's all shaped by, by how we've grown up, what we have already achieved, what that our community that we surround ourselves with believes and and a child doesn't have that that's why so many kids can still see a lot of things in in the spiritual realm where we maybe not are not able to see that anymore because we've got told over and over again the spiritual realm doesn't exist the spiritual realm doesn't exist and the same with with like uh, the dreams we have no you can't be this you can't be that because we've been told so many times we can't we stop saying it out loud and kids haven't been haven't been formed into such a box yet so i love that you mentioned that that's true i think basically what we do is we collect other people's limitations and make them our own which mm. is sad but i just realized yeah. that as you were talking very yeah, yeah we gotta change our mindset and start that's all it is right into existence. Yeah. it actually it's well, it sounds so simple, but it takes time. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, some time. <laughs> and it's not your fault. Like you don't know what you don't know. So whoever is like listening to this podcast now, like as soon as you become aware, then you can start taking action. True. You do have to be aware first, because if you don't know, mm -hmm. I mean, you can't be held responsible for that. Exactly. So what are some steps that women can take to overcome self-sabotage and or procrastination? So the first thing is that I would say is get somebody alongside you, whether it is a coach or a friend or a community, um, because that person can help you when you don't see clearly, when you're so stuck in the overwhelm and just like you can't see the bigger picture, that person can help you. So they can partner with you to break down the big thing, problem that you have in your mind. They can help you um, break down the idea that you have into more bite-sized pieces so you don't feel so overwhelmed you'll have someone to hold you accountable and to deal with issues as they arrive so definitely get someone to walk alongside your partner with you and it can even be like somebody in your church right but get someone that knows about what you what you're going through and that can help you overcome that that overwhelm and also deal with some things. Oftentimes we get stuck in overwhelm because we haven't dealt with things that happened in the past, right? So we have these trapped emotions or like we were just talking about now, these ideas that just need to be broken down. So like I mentioned before, we're not ostriches. We need to deal with these things. So that's definitely also a step you need to take, like deal with the issues that are that are keeping you stuck in that overwhelm every single time. Try and figure out why you're getting overwhelmed. Does the goal feel too big does it feel like you you can't achieve it because of, of some um, idea that that you hold to be true all those things you once you become aware of what they are you can actually overcome them and then take little steps so always make the big 
overwhelming idea, make them so small that when you get to that small step, it actually feels really easy. And that's one of the most important sessions that I have with my clients. So what, whatever is that big idea that you have and that feels so overwhelming. So like I mentioned the million dollars, right? So that idea feels impossible for some people to do that. Now break it down. Could you say, can you make a hundred dollars in a day? You know, that sounds more doable than than making making a million dollars so by breaking the little steps down into these bite-sized pieces the overwhelm will start disappearing as well because all overwhelm is as i mentioned is the brain not not feeling safe so the brain is saying whatever you thought about doing is either dangerous it feels suspicious so there's and i haven't mentioned them so that it's actually seven triggers that make make you step into overwhelm and, and some of them are fear danger doubt suspicion boredom is one of them uncertainty so if your big idea or goal doesn't tick those boxes if your brain feels like it you haven't thought those things through it's going to make you feel overwhelmed and stuck in an action because it's not going to allow you to continue somewhere that the brain feels it's not safe then it's going to have you stuck in that comfort zone because that is where you were previously safe that that is where your brain got you to survive in. So as long as it keeps you in the comfort zone, nothing happens, right? So we need to set the goal properly to, to be able to address overwhelm, get somebody to partner with you and deal with the issues that keep you in, in overwhelm, whatever that is. I think that's good, especially those seven triggers. So now people mm -hmm. can be aware of what may be actually triggering the overwhelm. Yeah. I haven't heard it that way. I know that definitely fear and doubt, but I didn't know boredom was one too. But yeah. just knowing, hey, these are things that are triggering these feelings and then sitting down, like you said, usually the brain is like, this is probably too big. Got to think it through. Like you said, get some accountability and walk through it and then just do those, those small steps that lead to the big, the big outcome that we're looking for. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's those three checkpoints that I mentioned earlier, it would be the easiest way to see in which checkpoint you are stuck in your overwhelm. So it can be your, your intellect, or you're thinking it to death, are you making like 100 what ifs in your mind, it can be your imagination, are you like having these, these trapped emotions, so the experiences from the past that are holding you back to move forward, or is it the more the basic layer? Have you not set your goal correctly? And are you triggering any, any of those seven triggers? This has been a really, really good interview. I'm, I've been taking notes, just so you know. Um, so <laughs> how can listeners find out where they can learn more about the connection between neuroscience and faith and how you work with clients? So I post a lot on, on my social media, so they can definitely follow me um, at the Vindraiser NZ and, and definitely like take I always say take action, you know, if it's not just by, by searching me out or going on um, thevinedresser.com or going um, thevinedresser.nz and just like listening what I have to say there, um, take any action, find another coach, find a supporting community that can help you. Definitely keep going because like I was saying earlier, like making no choice, taking no action is a choice and, and an action in itself as well. So definitely do something, whether it is like you like, chatting to me, you can reach out to me to help you uh, like overcome this overwhelm or even to you blessing, like whatever it is, just take action. 
Well, thank you so much. This has been a really informative interview and hopefully listeners are encouraged to, you know, kick overwhelm out and actually start taking action. And now they, you've given them some tips so they know what is triggering that overwhelm, which I think is one of the biggest things, being self-aware, knowing what your specific triggers are so that you can take action and plan, you know, create the plan that you're going to follow. Yes, exactly. And thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy doing podcasts like these. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Wealthier Together podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and share this podcast with a friend.